Mark chapter 15. And like I said, we've been in this series for since I was probably 20, and uh, so 22 years. Um, but I love this. I want to ask you a strange question. There's a, a few things today I'm going to do a little bit different than normal. And uh, one of the things I want to do is to, in my mind, I've concluded in my mind that the resurrection actually happened in history, not just a folktale or fairy tale or something that was made up. The disciples had nothing to gain to make up a story like this. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, and we'll take kind of like a little brief pause throughout the, ser- the sermon to really mention why I believe the resurrection to be true and not just made up. But the question really is, why do we even know that Jesus existed? Why do we even know that he actually was alive? If you mention the name of Jesus, everybody's going to know who you're talking about. Jesus, I remember when I was, before I was a Christian, you know, hammering something at school and I hit my uh, nail and it turned black and blue and I said a loud word and it was Jesus Christ. So I don't say that in a cuss word today. I say he's my savior, but why do we even know that Jesus is even, was even a real human being. Why do we know that? Well, we're going to talk about it. Think about it. Jesus, a carpenter's son from the Middle East, from a town that uh, the last time I checked, if I asked people about Bethlehem, um, the people I hang out with at work and that kind of thing, they're like, I, I haven't thought about Bethlehem for a long time, maybe my entire life. So why do we remember a carpenter's son from Bethlehem, who was born in Bethlehem, and he was from the Middle East, and he said a few things. Why didn't he just disappear in history? Because he's not the only person to show up on the scene and claim to be God's Messiah. They had a bunch of those. Every single one of them disappeared in history, and Jesus is not just a footnote of history. He is history itself. He is what changed our lives. And so Jesus, who died a public, humiliating death and horrific and painful death, I've been looking at the story of Mark 15 and 16 for the last month. And one thing I can figure out about Jesus' death, it was, it was humiliating. I mean, it was embarrassing. It was public. It was announced from the crowd. If you don't listen to the government and you don't listen to the religious elite, this is the kind of, this is who you're going to be. You're going to be someone that's going to be on the cross and you're going to die a painful death and we'll throw you in a tomb and everybody will forget about you. You'll just disappear in history. But why is it that when Jesus was crucified and died and buried, and then, of course, raised from the dead, why is it that every person, I don't care if they believe in him or not, why do everybody, uh, basically, you have to take a few people in planet, on planet Earth that says, you know, I think the, the name Jesus, Jesus himself, was made up. But if you ask the actual average person, they will say, Oh, yeah, I believe that Jesus was an actual person. Now, they disagree on the things that we teach, but he is not just a human being, a good teacher. He's actually is God and God's son, the second person of the Trinity. But why is it that Jesus has a legacy that remains for 2,000 years? That someone thousands of years ago, a thousands and thousands of miles away, how can that type of story impact someone 2,000 years later. Now, I've never, uh, anybody ever been to Israel? I heard that when you take a trip to Jerusalem and you, you look at where Jesus' tomb is and where, I mean, where the cross could have been, that kind of thing, you go all that kind of, where Jesus was born, 
Um, I, I've, I've been told that it changes a person's life, right? I mean, I, I've, that's what I've heard. You could actually put a visual point of in your mind as you're reading a story. But I've never been there. So why is it that somewhere, someone that was 2,000 years ago could impact a life so much? And even if you're not a Christian, if you're watching online, maybe someone dared you to click on this video or something, or someone dared you to show up here. Someone said, hey, if you see Pastor Joel, you can make fun of him, and he's, he could be animated, and he has full of, he's full of energy and that kind of thing. The reality is, if you're being honest with yourself, and you're looking inside your heart and saying, Jesus, and you can pinpoint the moment maybe where Jesus changed your life. It doesn't mean that you live a perfect life afterwards. It doesn't mean that things don't go weird after, you know, a couple years after you're like, okay, I'm struggling a little bit in my faith. But the moment, and I remember the moment where I realized in my heart, there's something to this Jesus that changed my life. The first thing that I realized that Jesus actually does care about me and love me. When I was a teenager, I thought, if I died, nobody would even care. Maybe my parents would. Maybe my siblings would. But nobody at the school. I was just another, I was just an aunt in an aunt form of kids in, this, in a big school. And the reality is, Jesus took notice of me. And so because of that, I took notice of him and went, you know what? I want to follow this Jesus the rest of my life. And the rest is history. But why in the world do we even know him? Well, we don't know him, his name, because he died on the cross. Because that happened a lot. Roman crucifixion happened. It was common. In fact, how many of us know any other names of, except for Peter? And that was a cheat. That's one. How many of us know any names of people who were crucified during that era, the Roman era? You go back. Peter, the apostle Peter. He was crucified supposedly upside down. Okay. That's well known. But other people. Any names? Just any, give me, throw, throw me a, a, a name. <sighs> I can't think of anybody. But for some weird reason, the Jesus that died on an ordinary Roman cross, we remember him. It's not because he died on a cross. We don't remember the name of Jesus because of his good teaching. We had a lot of gurus and teachers and religious people of the day, and their names have been disappeared into history. The reason why we know about Jesus is simply about the resurrection. I've always said, if I meet a person who was dead, buried, he was, they proved that he was dead. They checked the body before they buried him. He didn't, wasn't buried alive. He wasn't, Jesus didn't swoon, right? That's what a lot of people said, which is ridiculous, right? He passed out and he woke up in the grave. That's stupid. But anyway, or they switched the bodies. The one that was buried wasn't really Jesus. Jesus is hiding out. And then three days later, he's like, okay, here I am. That's ridiculous. We only know it because he was buried one day. These women came there to put spices in the, and they went, uh, something's going on. They go in the tomb and they see an angel and then they run away. And basically that's the end of Mark, but we're kind of going ahead a little bit. But the reality is we know it because when he was on the cross, he yelled out, it is finished. He died and he was raised from the dead. Let's look at Mark chapter 15. Remember, he had just died. That's where we pick up the story. Verse 42 of chapter 15. This all happened, his crucifixion, all happened on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath. As evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. 
Now, pause. I've got to say this before we even get into it. I want you to know the very specific names that are mentioned in these chapters, 15 and 16. They're very specific names that if you were around 2,000 years ago, you could go ask them. Okay, not just Joseph. Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph was a very common name. Okay? It's kind of like the name, uh, I don't know, Steve. I mean, there's a bunch of, there's two Steves right here. And I know at least three more. There's three Steves right here. What in the world? That's crazy. Come for you, you, Steve. There's three Steves here. So it's like the name Steve. Everybody, everybody's name is Steve. I had a good friend in school named Steve when, we were, when I was growing up. Um, never went by Stephen. Never. He didn't like Stephen, like Steve. But there's a lot of Josephs. But, there, but you could go to Arimathea and go, hey, you know that guy? Especially when it says Joseph was an honored member of the high council. You go into the high council and you're asking, hey, where's Steve? I'm just kidding. Where's, where's Joseph? Oh, he's right there. I'm going to go talk to him. So I want you to think about that as we're reading this. How many specific names there are with details that you can prove, okay, or not prove. He was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus is already dead. So he called for the Roman officer and asked if he had died yet. The officer confirmed. So what did he do? Confirmation, checking the pulse, doing something, okay? Moving his body around. Is he, you know, doing stuff? Okay, he's not moving. He's not twitching. He's dead. He's not breathing. You can hear him? No, he's dead. Okay, so again, let's throw out the ridiculous stuff that was going around the time, at the time of Jesus' death, that he was, he swooned. He passed out on the cross. This is so stupid. Okay, and another one is they switched his body. That he was alive at the end, but they put a lookalike in there. That's it. This is ridiculous. Okay? The officer confirmed that Jesus was dead, so Pilate told Joseph, hey, you can have the body. Then Joseph bought a long sheet of linen cloth. Then he took Jesus' body down from the cross. He wrapped it in the cloth, and he laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Now, who's there? Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph. Another Joseph. Okay? Mary, the mother of Joseph, they saw where Jesus' body was laid. So listen to me. This is huge. In the story, they saw with their own eyes Jesus' body being put in the tomb. They saw the stone being rolled, covering up. Okay, there's specific names that you can talk to. Okay, this is very unique in, in Mark. I want to be very honest about Mark. I've said it this entire series. He is a very much a minimalist when it comes to writing. Now, I liked that personally when I was first a Christian. But now, I've been a Christian for a long time. I like the detail. That's why I like going to the book of Luke. Luke tells you details you don't think you want to know. You think you don't need. Like, I don't need to know every little detail. It's like, have you ever read a novel? I've read this novel. It's a time travel novel. And the guy, he, he travels back into 18-something. And, uh, I mean, it, it tells you the detail of the color of the carpet, the color of the vase that's on there. I... I, I closed it for a minute, and I said, I don't need to know about the vase. I don't need to know a color of carpet. I just need to know that he went back in time. That's where I'm interested in, okay? But that's where I liked Mark when I was first a Christian. Very minimalist. But all of a sudden, in chapter 15 and 16, you have some detail that is very much non-accident why, they mention, why he mentioned them, okay? In a sense, he's citing his sources. Now, in college, when I was in college, 
I had to write papers, like five pages, 12 pages, that kind of thing. Anybody ever remember writing papers for school? You like it? Maybe you're still doing it. I don't know. And the thing that you need to do, you need to cite your sources. Right, English teacher? Right? You, teachers, teachers. Okay. You need to cite your sources. What happens if you don't cite, you cite your source? I'm going to assume you got that on Wikipedia, which is that a source? It's Wikipedia source. I don't think it is because anybody can change it. I've changed it before, right? I've added details to Seahawk page, right? So you can't use Wikipedia, but you need to write down the title of the book or article or website, the when it was published, where it was published, uh, the, the, the author. That way you hand in the paper and the teacher can go, I'm going to go look that up and prove, I could prove that you're lying. That's why you cite your source. This is why they did the names. There's name, there's so many names here. That's the reason why it's because Mark and according to most scholars, Peter is the one that's telling Mark this, but that's the way he's citing his source because some people are not going to believe. You're not going to believe the story I have to tell you today. Jesus was risen from the dead. I don't believe you. That's what they're going to say. So they took Joseph, they saw, uh, where Jesus' body was laid. Chapter 16, verse 1. 16, we're there. We're in the last chapter. Okay. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, because evening to evening, Mary Magdalene, here's, here's the names again. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James. This is the same Mary it just mentioned. It's just using their other son. Okay. There's Mary the mother of James and Joseph, or in some translations, says Joseph. Okay. Another term, another way of saying it. And this is the name we talked about last week. I like Salome. Again, if I had a daughter, I would name her Salome. No, I wouldn't. Um, the reality is there are names of people who you, if you're reading this, the original audience, we can't go to Salome and go find her. I understand that. But when they're writing this, you could go talk to Salome. T- tell me what you saw, Miss Salome. And she'll say, this is exactly what we saw. This is what we did. And so they went out and they purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Okay, here's a, here's Bible quiz, because I was in Bible quiz in high school, because I was a Bible nerd. You click a button, and they ask you a question. How, wh- what, do you, what do you think that these women, do you think these women thought that Jesus was going to be gone from his tomb when they were going, when they were going there? None, no one does. Why is that? They're buying what? Burial spices. Why do you do burial spices? Let's be honest. There's number one, they're, 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 they're doing it for the stench. Okay. There's no, they don't, they don't do anything to the body. You just wrap it up, put it in there. And you, what you do is usually you unwrap the body and you put spices and oils and different scents around the body. And then you wrap it tight, put it in the tomb, let nature do its thing. And, but they would also do it as a memorial, as a, is a, this is someone that we really love and we're going to honor him. It's almost like a, it's like a funeral. You honor the person when they die. They, they, I mean, they didn't have a funeral for Jesus. So this is their version of a memorial. This is a version of a uh, burial, if you will. And so they went there. They went to buy burial spices. Now, this is, I want to mention another name that is in the last chapter. We read last week. And, um, Chapter 15, we're gonna, it's not on the screen, but it's chapter 15, verse 21. It says this, a pastor by name Simon, how many people think that Simon was a common name back then? 
one of Jesus' disciples, name is Peter. What's his, what was his name? Simon. Okay, there's a lot of Simon. So verse 21, I don't have it on here, but it says, pastor by name Simon, who was from Cyrene. Okay, we have a location. He was coming from the country just side just then. The soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Oh, and if in case you wanted to know, this is the site and the sources. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. I like the name Rufus. That's pretty cool. Um, think about it. I got to pause here because there's two things I want to mention here why I believe in the validity of the resurrection. Now, a lot of people would say, Pastor, you just got to believe, you got to trust, you just have to have faith. I get it. Jesus said, blessed are those who believe and have not seen, right? So I get that, 100%. But there are some people that have a heart, they, they, they're skeptical. And so Mark and Peter, they knew there's going to be some skepticism to this. There was going to be people that say, they just stole his body, that's another rumor. They just stole his body, which is another, I could get in that, but it's ridiculous to think that they stole his body and then they claimed that he was alive, right? It's like Weekend at Bernie's. Like, there's no way they're going to do that. That's in a movie, but don't watch it. Um. <laughs> Have you ever, anybody ever seen Weekend at Bernie's? You still go to heaven, you're fine. Okay, he's all like, okay, but... I want to be very clear about two things. The first thing is I already mentioned that there are names that are very specific. Listen, if I want to, if I'm alive 2,000 years ago, but I don't experience, I don't, I'm not there, but I want, to, I want to talk to the people who were there. You're going to have specific details. I will, I'm going to talk to uh, Simon, and they go, Simon, which one? Oh, no, 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 Simon from Cyrene. Oh, okay, which Simon? Okay, you go to Cyrene. Okay, which one of you guys is Alexander and Rufus's father? And the guy's like, me. What happened? What did you do? Oh, I carried Jesus across. So you were there? Yes. So you saw him die? Yes. Okay, so you saw him die, and he, they checked his pulse. He was dead? Yes. They didn't make it up. Then I would go to Joseph of Arimathea, and I would say, "You okay, Arimathea, I'm going to go there. I'm going to say, Joseph... And they all come out, like 50 of them. And you go, oh, the one that was, that took Jesus' dead body to the tomb, the guy goes, it was me. Tell me the story. He went into the tomb, right? Yes. Then I would go up to these women, which in a second I'll tell you why even what I'm saying here is ridiculous. If you're Jewish, you would never go to women for testimony. But I, me personally, me I would go to the women and I would say, tell me, what happened? Well, Salome's like, well, we were going there with these spices and we were going to bury him. We were going to make sure he was, his body was taken care of, that, that the smell was it. We, we, we want to honor him. But when we got there, the stone was already rolled away. When we go in there, there's an angel sitting there. And we go in there, his body's not there. We got so scared, we ran for our lives. You know, that's, 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 that's what they would tell me. So, you're, so, so, so what you're telling me, ladies, Mary, Mary, well, I don't know, just throwing this out. If you're making up a story, first of all, I would change names a little bit, not just who marries. They're too common, okay? But 
So the number one reason why, and this might not change anyone's lives, this to me is why I believe this to be a valid story. You have very specific details that are put in the story that you, it's the way they cited their sources. You could, you could take that paper, you can take it to Miss Wing, she's going to check and she's going to go, yes, that's a true thing. Or she can go, let me check your story out. She's checking all the books and stuff. She goes, this guy's making this up. This, that's, you could either prove it or disprove the story of Jesus. The second thing is actually even greater than that. These women, we got an issue. We got a problem with these women being here, by the way. You might not know that. Because in modern culture, we don't have problem with, if, if you, okay, ladies, don't get mad at me. I don't believe this personally. I believe that every woman has, if you see something happen, if you see a murder happen, you have every right to go on a stand at a trial and give testimony. I would believe it, okay? But rewind the tape 2,000 years, and if you witness a murder and you go up on a stand and you say, so help me God, and they go, I I have a problem, judge. What? She's a woman. Yeah, what's your problem? We can't trust her testimony. Are you kidding me? So, listen to me. Because there's people that I know who think they believe that Jesus existed, but they think this entire story is a bunch of baloney. They think that Jesus existed, but they tagged it along they start thinking, well, they, they added pieces from this religion, then they added, they, they think about the whole story of Jesus being a bunch of different pieces of different religions put together, and that's who Jesus is, okay? My thing is, if I'm making up a religion for people to believe, and actually I want to sell it as truth, I, as a Jewish person, which I'm not, but as a Jewish person in that century, I'm never going to use three women as a testimony because it would automatically be thrown away. You never would. Why do I think Mark used three women? Because that's how it happened. Because that's how it happened. If he was making up a story to sell as gospel truth, he would have used some kind, some men. He would have used Peter. He would have used John. But Peter and John were the ones that ran later. Who was the one that told Peter and John? The women. Okay? I can guarantee you the women were like, okay, okay. They opened the door in the upper room. Okay. We saw Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. You guys are women. <laughs> can't live with them, can't live without them. You know, that kind of thing. Again, that's not my view. Things have changed since then, okay? But that's how it was. You never, ever, ever would have used a woman as testimony because you can't trust a woman. I'm sorry, that's how it was. Are we okay? Take a deep breath. Don't stone the pastor, okay? I'm just telling you how it was. Things have changed. But why do I even say that? Because to me, Mark is writing history, not mythology. Because there are people to this day that still say that I believe in Jesus as a human being, as, as a, he, was a, he was a religious person. And you can, you can take, he, he was a good teacher. I would say he's not a good teacher if he's lying. But anyway, I won't throw that in there. But he's a good teacher, fine. But they look at the gospel, the rest, the rest of it, they think about his death and his resurrection. Eh, that's kind of not that good. Eh, whatever. And I would say, just look at the testimony of the people that were there. That's why, you, to me, that's why you can put your trust in the word of God. You can trust the Bible to be valid. is because you have, at that moment of history, you could go back to specific people 
You can go to Salome. You can go to Mary Magdalene. You can go to Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. You, you can go to Joseph of Arimathea. You can go to Alexander and Rufus. You can go to any of them, and they'll tell you exactly how it happened. That's because that's how it happened. And you can go to these women, even though the testimony wasn't official, you can go to them because that's how it happened. Period. Now, I'm a Bible nerd, so when I was studying that this week, I'm like, oh, I love this. Okay? I started to get a little excited because I, I, I'm, I put my trust and faith in God, yes, of course. But I, I read the Bible, and I'm going, can I really trust this thing? A lot of people say no. I would disagree with that, and I would have a little healthy little debate and say, the evidence is right in there, right there, why I would believe the Bible to be true. Now, we could talk about that in a different time, but let's go to chapter 16, verse 2 and 3. The women, now remember who, who's there. The women were, they went out and purchased burial spices on what, what day was it? Saturday evening, right before bed. They're going, get the spices, because now they can leave their home. It's not the Sabbath anymore. They can go buy spices from the market, then they're taking the spices home. And then verse 2, very early on Sunday morning, why would they go early on Sunday morning? They're, going to, they're, they're doing some grave stuff here. They're, they're not, they don't want to be seen in public and with the light out. They want to be dark. We're going in there. But they haven't really thought this through because they went to the tomb. On their way, they were asking each other, who's going to roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? In my house... When my wife says, can you open this jar, this can of something? I'm like, yeah, let me show you this. Smith and Wesson, right? We could do that. And I'm like, but there's times where I haven't been able to open afterwards, but, you know. And then Hayden does, yeah. But I loosened it. But, you know, she's like, honey. <laughs> she doesn't say it that way. But would you open this, please, and be a man? Something like that. Maybe not. But I go, sure. But these women, they're walking, they're going, hey, who's going who's gonna, to who's gonna push this aside? Did we ever think about this? We need to go ask Peter. Can you open up the tomb for us? No, why would they do that? Why would they go there and they wonder? Because they didn't have a clue that the stone was going to be already rolled away. They had 0% idea that Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, I have a heart. This is these I've been saying this for a long time. These followers of Jesus are not bright. He's been saying that for a long time. They're going to kill me, but on the third day, I'm coming back. So it would, if I'm thinking like a rational human being, it would make sense if one person was going, you know what? It's Sunday morning. Jesus is going to meet us here. Let's just wait. Hold on. Let's wait for the door to open. Or more specifically, biblically, he's going to walk through that wall, you know, and they're waiting. None of them did that. The women didn't. Who's going to roll away the stone from there? See, he's, Jesus said it multiple times, at least in Mark 8, Mark 9, Mark 10. They say, he said this, quote, They will kill me, but three days later, I'm going to be risen from the dead. I'm going to be raised from the dead. He said at least three times that I could find. More than that. But he kept saying it over and over and over. Peter would say, no, they're not going to kill you. You can't say that. Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. You don't have the idea and mind of God. Back in Mark 14, we don't have on the screen, but it says this. On the way, Jesus told them, all of you are going to desert me. 
For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, okay, there's a, there's a nice fact there for just a moment that he's telling his disciples. You, you guys, every single one of you, including you, John, who, you know, the, my favorite, my bud, my pal, you're going to all scatter right away. But soon afterwards, I'm going to go ahead of you to Galilee and I will meet you there. Okay, so there should be them going up in the upper room going, he's going to be here any minute. He said three days. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. On the third day, he said that. Remember that? Oh, he wasn't saying that. No, 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 wait. All of them went, just yet another Sunday. How many of us wake up on Sunday and say, yet another Sunday? hope we are a little bit more excited that when we wake up on Sundays, okay? And Mondays and Tuesdays. I'm saying that for myself when I wake up tomorrow at 5.20, something like that. But they all go into hiding, and the women are convinced that Jesus is dead. End of story. But then, as God does, God surprises them. Verse 4 and 5, it says this. But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which is very large, <laughs> duh, <laughs> That's one of those details like, okay, you know, it's very large, had already been rolled aside. Hmm, interesting. Who did it? Who did that? When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. Don't tell me that these cute little angels are cute little angels. They're not. These little baby angels, you know, they're like have these wings and they're just like little cute little pudgy babies. That's not, they're, they're, they're Every time they saw an angel, they're like freaked out, <gasps> right? So they're, of course, you go in there. If I'm going home after work and I go in the kitchen and some person's sitting on my dinner table, just sitting there chilling out, I'm going to be, I'm going to be afraid. Smith and Wesson are going to come right back out, right? No, well, they won't, but they're shocked. There's a few things that they're, they are very amazed about because the word shock can actually be amazed, like flabbergasted, like, oh. <gasps> Like, they're just, like, I, they're without words. And so they, they, they see, number one, the stone is being rolled, is already rolled away. They don't have to deal with that. That's cool. Then they go in there, and who knows how long the angel's been sitting there. I mean, he's just, see, he's just sitting there going like this. When are they going to show up? Listen. <laughs> God knows what he's doing. He sends an angel to go sit in the tomb to tell the women what happened. Because if they go in there and they see no body, here's what I would assume. The body's been stolen. That's what I would say. You could never quite, except for Jesus showing up, but right here, in their mind, they could never believe that they would see Jesus' body yet again. So this is a huge point. The women are shocked. I would be too. Verse 6 and 7. But the angel said, so who's that young man with the white clothing? He's an angel, okay? Don't be alarmed. Don't be fearful. Don't fret. Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. There's another very specific thing. Oh, another Jesus, you mean? Right? We're looking for Jesus. Oh, that Jesus, okay. Who was crucified. Yeah, he was dead, but he isn't here. Here's the quote. He is risen from the dead. Here's proof. Look where, that's where they laid his body. Here's the shroud. Here's 
all of this, here's that. You can see some blood stains, I'm sure. You can see this, you can see that. You can see where they laid them. Now, this verse right here is huge because it's something we read a few weeks ago. And, and you have to go back to that sermon, but I want to say, I want to read it again. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter. Remember that? If you are here, whatever, three weeks ago, I, I mentioned that because Peter, who had denied Christ three times, wept bitterly because he knew he not only gave up on God, he gave up on himself. On himself. And I don't know how many times I've done that in my life. Like, when every, with everything, pastoring, being a follower of Christ, being a father, being a husband, being employed for Pepsi. I don't know how many times I go, you know what? Put someone else in that location, put, that, put someone in that position, and they'll do a better job than I would do it. Because how many of us are perfect at what you do at everything? You're a perfect parent, perfect employee, perfect follower of Jesus? No. So we're like Peter. We would weep bitterly and go, now I'm done. Then Jesus says, go and tell his disciples, including Peter, who felt like an outsider, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before. Just like he told you, duh. Right, that's what I would say. He just told you that. So three surprises. Number one, the stone was rolled away. Number two, angels just chilling in the tomb. That's kind of weird. And third, the third surprise Jesus is gone. Now you got to listen to the angel's words if you're a follower of Christ. We've been a, some of us have been Christians too long and we're too far removed from the story. Put yourself in the story for just a moment. An angel tells you his body is not there, but he'll meet you later over there. I'm going to go back and that's what it says. But verse 8 How many of you realize there's more verses than verse 8 in Mark 16? Verse 8's cut in half, by the way. I'm reading the first half of Mark 8. Here's, we've talked about this for a few weeks. I want to be very blunt. I don't want to ignore controversy or weird things. Um, the book of Mark's ending is just strange. There's three endings. There's the ending that, that ends where we're going to read. Then verse 8, there's this little tag ending to verse 8. Then there's verse 9 through 19. I'll see that in a moment. I don't know what I mean. To 19, there is this extended ending. Okay? How many of us know that in your Bible? You knew that. You have brackets in your Bible? Or you have words that say from this, listen, this is, I see, it's, you've got to know this. I don't want to avoid this. Okay? Um, most scholars, not all, most scholars believe that the original writing ended where we're going to read it. Okay, and there's a few reasons for that, but there are a few scholars that if you look it up, they'll say, no, 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 you can trust the rest of it. Okay, I can trust the rest of it. I, I think it's a good choice that they left in the Bible. Why? Because every one of those stories can be proven in another gospel. Okay, they just can. Okay, they're not saying something different. They're not saying anything new. They're saying they're just confirming what they already said in Matthew and Luke and John. Basically, it's a very personal story about what happened after Jesus was raised from the dead with his disciples. Okay, so it's not adding any new doctrine. I think it's a good thing to leave in there. But scholars want you to know, and I'm not a scholar, not me, I'm not a scholar. I just pretend to be one. Um, 
they want you to know that when if you were to go back in time and read Mark's original document, it probably wouldn't end it with the next verse. Okay? And I could see why someone went, it's kind of incomplete. But how many of us knew know what I've said this whole series? Mark is a very minimalist kind of guy. He's not going to tell, oh, their story after Jesus raised from the dead, eh, we don't need it. <laughs> right? I would want it. Okay, let's look at verse 8. It says, the women, the women, these important people to the story, these women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anyone because they were too, what? Frightened. The end. Now, I read that part and I go, it's like, it's like reading the end of the book of Jonah. I want to know the rest of the story. It's like reading the book of Acts. Like, I know what happened afterwards, but it's like, it just ends that he's, I know what happened to Paul, but I want to know some more details, a little bit what happened after that, right? It's like an incomplete ending. To me, I can understand why someone went, you know what, let's put some of the story that we already know to be fact and just kind of complete it for them. There's a few reasons why. I looked it up. Some scholars say that Mark and Peter died before they could finish it. Some people said that the last part of the the, the story was um, on a different papyrus, uh, papyrus uh, paper and that it was added because they found it later. There's, there's a few reasons why. My, my thing is when you read this, to me it's complete in a sense because, yeah, it's short. Yeah, the women, like what did they, from the story of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I said this from the beginning, you need to read all of them together in a sense. You can't just pick one or the other. It's like, it's like a diamond. You can turn a diamond, you see different color, okay? And when you read the entire gospel, you know exactly what happened with the women afterwards. What did they do? And how do I know this? Not from Mark. The, from other gospels, you see that they ran, and they're just freaked out, scared. And they, they go, okay, I'm in my right mind now. The, the tomb's empty. Peter and John go, we're going to have a foot race. Remember that? Remember they're running and they're racing to see who can go there first? I love that story. Okay, Mark doesn't think you need to know that. Okay, but I like that story because it makes it kind of fun. But it, if you read the entire Gospels together, you will find out that not only did the angel mention that Jesus was gone and he's going to meet you later, you can see that they all, the women went to the men, claimed to see an empty tomb, Two disciples ran there, saw that Jesus was there, turned around, see supernatural things. Then they go back. Jesus goes back in the upper room, talks to them. Then we know that Jesus talked to them for 40 days. Then he was ascended to the Father. Okay, everybody know the story? That's the complete story. This seems a little bit incomplete. So that's why a lot of people are like, now you need verse 9 through 19. But the fact is, I want to pause right there. I don't want to kind of land the plane. We've been on this plane since February. Maybe we're running out of gas here. <laughs> so we need to land the plane, but the most important thing that is, is right here. I'm going to ask you a few questions, and you need to answer it on your own time. Because if the resurrection happened, and you don't do anything about it, it doesn't mean anything to you, then it's just a great story. If you don't respond to the gospel and you just go, whatever, then it means nothing for you. It, then, then that's not going to change anything. 
I've read a lot of good stories in my time, and it still hasn't changed my life. There's one story, the story of Christ dying for me and being buried. He didn't even have his own tomb. Then he was raised from the dead three days later, and because he was raised from the dead, my life has been changed for over 20 years. But if, you ha- if, if you're here, you're watching online, or you're here in, in person, and you're going, eh, whatever, this is fine, then it's never going to change your life. But if you, and I said this a few weeks ago, if you give Jesus just a half of a second to be with him for just a moment, you give him a, just a little bit of your heart, just a little bit, he'll change your life. I said this so many times, I don't know how many times I said When I was first a Christian, I gave God six months of my life. I said, if, 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 if this is not true, I don't lose anything. I'm going to give up. Now, over 20 years later, I'm still chasing after Christ because he loves me. Every single, when I gave God half a chance, he showed up and changed my life. That's why, and I know he'll never give up on me. And that's why I've made it my decision. I don't care how hard my life gets. I don't care how hard this world, how crazy it gets. I pray that God would keep me strong and keep you strong in him. Keep you on solid ground. So here's some questions. Then we'll land the plane. What does the resurrection mean? What does the resurrection mean for you? Okay, I need you to ask that question on your own time. What does it mean to you? What does the resurrection mean for the church? What does the resurrection mean for the world? When I say world, for God so loved the world, they gave his one and only son. Outsiders, non-church people. What does it mean? If you're a Christian, listen to me, if you're a Christian, you're watching online, you're a Christian, you're here, you're a Christian. You're like, Pastor, if I were to die right now, I'm going to heaven. And I would say, amen, me too. Okay, what does it mean because of the resurrection? Well, for one, here's my simple answer for me because I'm a simple person. It changes everything. The resurrection should change the way I view my wife, my son, you guys, the world. It should change the way I work. It should change the way I spend my money. It should, spe- it should change the way that I view the world, the politics. It should change how I view Israel. It should change everything. Number two, if you're a Christian, what does it mean if Jesus is raised from the dead? It means, and we've been saying this for a few weeks straight, it means that Jesus is worthy of all of our praise. He does not deserve 99% of our praise because that's not enough, and I'm guilty of it because I'm worshiping God in one instance, but I'm holding back on the other. I'm like holding on to something, and I haven't given him my all. He has earned the right for my all. He, he died. He was put in a tomb. He's raised from the dead. Why? Because he loves me. So if you're a Christian, what does it mean if he's raised from the dead? It changes your life, but it means that he is worthy of our praise. If you're a Christian, what does that mean? Do not hold anything back from the worship of God. Don't hold back. Don't give in to the, the temptation to go, he's, ah, he doesn't, I don't, I don't have enough time. No, he, he, he's earned it all. He deserves it all. If you're not a Christian, thank you for being here for one. But I'm going to tell you what the Lord told me to put down on my notes here. 
This is not from me. I really believe it to be true. If you're not a Christian, here's what it is. He's, through, he's throwing you a lifeline where there, while there's time. Because there's not always, you're not always going to have time. I can't guarantee I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning. I hope I wake up tomorrow. For her sake. For her, his sake, right? For your sake. But I can't guarantee the next breath. You can't either. So what does the resurrection mean to the person who's not a Christian? To the world? He's throwing you a lifeline while there's time. And if you grab, if you're drowning, if, if you're, you have a drowning, if you're drowning in a lake, the person that's throwing you the rope is the one to go after. So go after Jesus. And I, I'm saying something right here, and this is how we're going to end it. He will never let you down. 100%. He'll never let you down. You could believe all the lies about people about Jesus and, and fake Christians and that kind of thing and bad Christians because they exist. We exist. Okay. We're not perfect. We want to be Jesus' followers. And the one thing I'm going to say about that, if I'm following Jesus, he will never let, he'll never let you go, and he'll never give up on you, that's for sure. So don't give up on him. Give him that opportunity where you're going to grab onto that rope. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this series. It's been a long one, but you have radically changed the way that I view Scripture, the way I see you, the way I preach, the way I the importance of Scripture, the truth about the Scripture that you have preserved for us all. And I pray for all of us that we would walk through this time, the rest of our lives, put in our hope in you, God. But as we read the Scripture, we can put our faith and trust that you have preserved it, that it's it's for us. It's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. It's, it's given to us for a purpose. And so we, I pray for my friends here, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that we would be in the Word of God and that it would teach us, you would teach us through your power of your Holy Spirit and the word, the truth about who you are. And so thank you for that. I pray for, I pray for um, just a blessing over each one of them as they go. And we thank you. Preserve us until we come back on Wednesday for small groups. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. We'll see, we'll see you guys on Wednesday at 7.